Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Unto Podcast. I'm your host, Rebecca Ince, and today my best friend Lily and I will be talking about, drumroll please, friendship with God. Again, <laughs> this is part two, you guys. But I just think that this topic is very important and just wanted to spend more time sharing about it. And so I pray in the name of Jesus that this episode blesses you as you listen in on our stories about our histories with God, why friendship with God is so important and like such a gift, um, and more. So settle on in. This is the Unto Podcast. Good morning, Rebecca. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast this morning. I'm so excited for this episode, y'all. Lily and I have been talking about how timely we think this topic is, especially concerning revival. And so we're both super stoked to be talking about it here. And we're going to jump into it in a second. But first, Lily, will you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Other than the fact that you're like one of my favorite people on this planet, my best friend, but go ahead. Oh, guys, you can't see it, but I'm giving a heart right now. Well, oh, I have no favorites, but Lord, you know what I mean. <laughs> um, yeah, guys, I'm Lily. I'm currently in college. I go to UNCC. Um, I'm studying elementary education. I love going overseas. I love traveling. I love meeting new people, experiencing new cultures. And more than anything, I love Jesus. So that's just kind of a little bit about me. And just a little side note, I just want to give a shout out to Rebecca you guys don't realize the amazing woman of God that you are hearing from week after week. Um, she has just been a real friend and someone who really loves the Lord and dedicates her time to him. So I just want you all to know that. I feel particularly honored. Thank you, Lil. You're welcome. <laughs> okay, so we're going to jump right on into this bad boy. Y'all remember on the last episode for friendship with god i said right towards the end i was like i have a very strange feeling that we're going to be revisiting this mostly because of how colossal this topic is and also i think i mentioned that i want to hear like from my friends point of views because everybody's journey with a friendship with god is like so different and so i'm super excited to hear lily's perspective so we're back again this is friendship with god around two And our first question is, Lily, how would you define friendship with God? I think I have two ways to define this. The first one would be abiding. Um, John 15 is like all about abiding. And that is what I would say friendship with God is, is just communion and um, sharing your life with God, but sharing his life with you. And another way I would say it is friendship with God is literally a life laid down, recognizing that it's not about you. Like friendship is almost like tied with marriage. Like when you say yes to God and friendship with God, you're in it for the long run. Um, It's a full commitment and you're literally dying to yourself. So servanthood at its best. Oh, that's so tough. Lord, please fix it. Thanks. Okay, number two. Um, what are the three things that you've learned about friendship with God? Okay. So three things I've learned about friendship with God. I'll break them down into trust, consistency, and communication, I think. Say more. Yeah. So let's see. How do we break these down? Um, trust friendship with God. When you're like in a relationship or a friendship with someone, there has to be some sort of level of trust that like you start with. I think a good way I think about it is like, I remember in elementary school and there'd always be those people that want to be friends with you, but you're just like, why do you want to be friends with me? There's just like a lack of trust. You don't know them. And they're just like trying to pursue you. Like, That's kind of not how it is with the Lord. If you don't trust him, his pursuit kind of feels weird at Mm -hmm. first. But you have to start at like that first basic level of trust. And that kind of ties in communication when you actually spend time with the Lord and you spend time in his word and you sit to actually get to know him. You can kind of build trust. Mm -hmm. 
And the biggest way that the Lord developed trust in me was through finances. Um, I recognized that when I like lived on my own for a couple years that I really did not trust him at all in my finances. And what took me trusting him was when I would hear him say, like, I'm going to provide for you. I would actually have to put faith and belief in that. And it started small, like it wasn't like these big things that I had to trust him for. It was like the little things first. And over time, as it got bigger and bigger, I had more trust for him because I've seen how he's come through every single time. That's so Yeah. So that's trust, I would say. Consistency with God. Um, that looks like spending time in the word. That looks like prayer. And prayer isn't just you talking God's ear off. It's actually listening to what he has to say. That's how you kind of build friendship when you let him speak and honestly rebuke you (laughs) for like things that, you know, you need to clear up with the Lord. Um, It's always kind too. like when the Lord rebukes you, you feel the peace on it. It's never anxiety. It's never confusion. It's like, oh, wow, I really, yeah, that wasn't it. Um. Yeah. So just consistency with him. It's day in and day out. It's every single moment, every single hour, every single minute. It's like, Lord, what do you think? Tell me about it. Um, And I guess that falls into communication. It's like we never stop praying. We never stop the conversation with God. And when we sleep, like I feel like some most times it doesn't stop if you're a dreamer. Like it's just still going all night long. Um. But it's like when you wake up, it's like, oh, good morning, Lord. Like, your love is new in the morning. Like, I don't know. It's just setting your gaze on him the first, like, as the first thing daily. And in the moments when it's hard throughout the day. I don't know. I feel like during my days, it's highs and lows. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there's not just an all good day or an all bad day. So it's just meeting him in every single high, every low, every mundane thing. And that's what abiding really is and friendship really is. And that's so true because I feel like it's the same principle or same kind of ebbs and flows that you experience in your other friendships, in your other relationships, Mm -hmm. family, whatever. And it's just so strange because sometimes we don't have that expectation with the Lord and get disappointed and think that we're doing this friendship thing wrong if it's not all peaks all the time. Mm -hmm. But how will you, like you're saying, like, how will you build trust? How will, how do you get stronger without the, the troughs as well? So taking it for all that it is, because in Psalm 23, where is the valley of the shadow of death? It sounds like it's in a valley. <laughs> and, and in my opinion, it, it sounds like it's in a valley. I think that's quite literal. And so it's the same God, like how they all say, it's like same God on the mountaintop, same God in the valleys. And it's like, so if he's your friend, you can trust that those ebbs and flows are entirely normal. And kind of like in reference a little bit to the last episode where it's like your friendship with God just isn't fragile. Mm-mm. Like, I think I was referring to John and I was saying um, the Lord said that he chose us. And so in his foreknowledge, like he wasn't going to be shocked that you were going to have peaks, troughs, ebbs and flows, and things were going to get rickety and and rough. He actually delights in those things. So I think that was really Mm -hmm. rich. Mm -hmm. Oh, there was another point where I was like, "Mm -hmm." the kindness of the rebuke of the Lord. Mm Y'all, I was really pressing on that for a second because I spent so many years thinking that the only way the Lord was going to rebuke me was going to be through like fire and brimstone on earth in my heart like I don't know how else to explain it but the word says that your chastening proves that you're legitimate so if the Lord didn't give a care about you in that capacity like it proves that you're a son it proves that you're a daughter and he does it like exactly like how Lily said, like he doesn't come mm-hmm. in like in a harsh way, it's kindness. And so 
I think isn't there a verse for that too, where it's like the kindness of God leads you to repentance? Like, yeah, there is a verse like that. We gotta like find them and put them in the Spotify notes. <laughs> Literally, like this is where all of these references are because oh my goodness, and I've seen that so much um, uh, in reading through the Minor Prophets right now. Because mm-hmm. if you, I used to just open them up to a random page and be like, oh my goodness, that's so harsh. But it'll be <laughs> the Lord on one page calling them a cow and then on like the next page you're like but i love you how could i forget about you are you not i would have gathered you to to me like a hen but you wouldn't let me like you hear the heart of god in these things and so it's so easy to get caught up and be like why is he judging them like that because he cares it's not even this wasn't his first choice he's like well this is what it's gonna be and then he lays out all the hope and it's just uh it's scrumdiddlyumptious. How about that? Are you I think I have it? a verse for that. Because I read it this morning and I was like, whoa, how timely. Mm. Um, oh my goodness. I don't remember which psalm it was. It was, I think, one of the 90s. Amen. But it was basically the Lord, like, his covenant, he will never remove his covenant. But he will still discipline us because he loves us that much. And I don't know. I just, like, couldn't get that out of my mind. Like, he won't forsake us. Like, how many times does he say say that in his word? I will not forsake you. But so I actually kind of talked about this on Sunday at the ministry group I'm a part of. If we are not confessing our sins to God, we can't actually abide in him because we're operating in sin and God isn't sin. So it's like the reason he he judges us or gives us discipline is because he's like, I miss you. Come back to me. Like, you can't be with me because I'm not sin. Like, I can't operate in darkness. I operate in light. And you're really, really far from that. So it's like discipline is like the kindest thing he could do. It's like, come back. Come on. Like, I want you near to my heart, but you can't be near to my heart when you're operating in sin. So I just like, he will never forsake us. He will do anything to keep us near his heart. He is the sweetest. And it honestly, it sounds just so much like the original heart and rationale behind the cross. Like, y'all mm-hmm. can't get close to me. You would quite literally disintegrate. Um, so <laughs> in order for me to make it possible, there's got to be a spotless, blameless lamb one and for all so that we can just be to be together <laughs> oh, beautiful is there anything else we want to talk about with um the three things oh if not, it's fine. okay go ahead i guess this is kind of still on the same topic of rebuke and refinement i forgot where in the gospels it is or not gospels in the new testament i think paul wrote it but it's like receive like the testing of the fire like be refined something like that mm-hmm. and what happens when we're put in a fire is like if you put a stone in the fire say it's gold right mm-hmm. when it gets refined it becomes more shiny it becomes more clean it becomes more pure and that's what happens in that testing with the lord with that refinement is like he's trying to purify us before him so i guess it's a little bit more of what we were saying but yeah trust consistency and communication one more time for the folks in the back all right trust consistency and communication beautiful okay so what are some ways that you've noticed the enemy try to interfere like interfere with how you view friendship with god because like we know that he can't destroy our covenant and friendship with him but what are some ways that you've kind of seen him appear in that arena Okay, so he attacks the mind, like our mindset, our mentality, I feel like is the biggest thing, because the only person that can control you is you. Mm -hmm. And so if he can get in here and convince you to believe lies, then he's kind of already got it. Like nobody has to do anything to you. Um, So a lot of times, it's just that basic old question from Genesis, did God really say? Like that is always the root of the lie is just getting you to question God. 
And that's why like consistency in the word, when you get to actually know God's nature and his character, you can quickly defend that lie and be like, "Mm, no, you're wrong and replace it with truth. Period. And then another way, at least for me, how it's shown up. Actually, can we pause there for a second? I think my question to that is what have you seen any like particular lies that the enemy would bring up concerning friendship like distance or have you seen anything like that i think so it it shows up very differently for everybody like honestly enemies lies are very personal is one thing i've learned so like what he might try to use on me he won't use on you um because he he distorts the truth so um for me it's usually like wow you really failed like you didn't spend enough time with god today oh why didn't you ask him about that earlier like why do you keep forgetting stuff like that and he just tries to like say i'm not doing enough or i'm not good enough and that's not what it's about yeah so that's kind of more of what i hear um, in relationship with friendship, because I know I am not fully abiding all the time. And I do feel like it does grieve me. I'm like, God, like, why didn't I ask you first? Like, why am I looking to me? And that's where I feel like the enemy can quickly be like, see, you did it again. And it's like, no way. <laughs> yeah, I would say it's similar for me, too. And I think the enemy likes to pinpoint where he realizes that you care. Like, I don't think he if I don't really care about fasting, God forbid, huh? But it is an area I struggle in. The enemy has never once come up to me and been like, you loser, why didn't you fast? I'd be like, well, probably because I didn't feel like it. (laughs) And I just wouldn't inherently feel bad in that, like it couldn't condemn me. It's very surface level where I'd be like, oh man, Lord, maybe I do need to fast. And it would just, it's not the same as, you didn't spend enough time with the like that matters to me and so he's like oh here's a little jibbity jab jab like Mm -hmm. my dad said something that really struck me the other day I was talking to him about some deception that I felt like I found in a book very recently um and he said you do (laughs) Lily's snickering because she knows what I'm talking about and so um uh he said Rebecca you have to understand not to like accuse this guy but like in general, because he may not have even realized what power he might have been at work. Because I mean, it was just blatant things that scripture says are true. And he was like, no, they're not. <laughs> and I'm like, either you really didn't know or you really don't care. Either way, some spirit knows, right? He goes, mm-hmm. like, you have to understand, like, these these spirits have no respect for time. Like, they've been existing. And they know that they, like, a human, if they want to wrong you, they're not really going to plot out 20 something years of your life to get you maybe five right but these beings have been watching you and studying you and that's their job around the clock and so it's not to scare you because the Mm -hmm. lord destroys them all one thing about it i do not say any of this to give glory to the enemy but just to be mindful Mm -hmm. they're like they've they have time to sit down and study you they don't have to respect time in that manner like they have your whole life to figure out how to really just mash you up. Now, by the grace of God, they won't. But the point being is that, like, when the enemy comes in with, like, how Lily's saying that these lies are very personal, do not underestimate. Like, because it's so easy for you. The point of them seeming personal is to sound like they're you. And then you'll be able to receive them more. If the devil came up to you with a little pitchfork and was just accusing you all day, you probably wouldn't care. But when it feels like it's you or even worse, if it feels like it's God, that's an issue. So just asking the Lord too, like, mm-hmm. Lord, what was that? Because that felt condemning. So I'm, I'm, it's safe to assume that's not you. Please show me like how to walk that out with you. And then in turn, what the enemy meant for your disadvantage is now working for your good because you're growing in friendship with the Lord because he's teaching you how to wield an arrow how to win a fight and what he actually sounds like. So that's all. Yeah. I guess going off of that, I've been reading this book called the well-watered woman and I love it because it's all about like being rooted in the Lord 
rooted in his word and stuff like that. And the chapter I read yesterday was actually the battlefield of the mind and just how the enemy comes in with lies. We have to recognize that we're constantly at a battle in our mind. So I think when we do get those thoughts and we kind of just let them linger, the longer they linger, the more you start to believe it. So it's like you have to catch it right away and recognize like, oh, that is a lie from the pit of hell and immediately replace that with truth. And the truth is God has already won the battle. Like it's already been won. Like Satan's already crushed. Like just because we don't haven't seen it in our lifetime yet doesn't mean it like it was already done at the cross. And so we have to take into account like he actually has no victory over me. So he has like he's not allowed to yap those lies in my mind. So I need to take that in that moment and actually like replace that lie with the truth. I feel like, I feel like the Psalms are just really good to get verbiage and like vocab Mm -hmm. for that. It's like, Lord, train my hands for war. With you, I can scale a wall. I'm like, talk to him, David. This man been fighting. David just, I don't know. That's for another day. (laughs) That could be part three. David's friendship with God. <laughs> I'm telling you, what is it to be praying in like Psalm 18? You're praying and you're telling the Lord your frustrations, and next thing you know, God is flying down on a cherub. Like, <laughs> what's going yeah. on? Oh, okay. Even, sorry. <laughs> no, go ahead. Go ahead. And even like after David sinned with Bathsheba, like, and Nathan the prophet confronted him, there's literally a psalm where he's like, Lord, create in me a clean heart. Like, he was that repentive and like recognized. Like, that's true friendship with God is knowing when you really screwed up and you still go to the Lord. Yeah, that's real. It tells you that, like, you know where you stand. That is so true. Hmm. Hmm. Let that sit down with me for a while. Because that's raw. Because I do realize that as I've grown in friendship with the Lord, like, the the concept of a penalty box just disappears. Like, I don't feel like I need to go tuck myself away. Like, in it's in Peter Lewis's book, Back to the Gospel, I think on chapter 14 or 15 on, like, dealing with sin. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I don't have to... And to try and put myself away and then try and come back later like right. just within this covenant we're dealing with this now and oh actually we're gonna go back a little smidgerini when you were talking about how if you don't like confess your sins and like ask for repentance that like you're not really abiding same concept showed up in the book because he was saying if i sin against my wife and I just assume that because she's a kind and forgiving person that she's just going to forgive me and we're going to move on. Like, there's an issue, like, like with, like, relationally, like, intimacy-wise, there's still a problem there. And mm-hmm. so there is, some people have doctrine surrounding, oh, I'm already forgiven, I don't have to anymore. But it's, I don't, to me, that's just, no offense, y'all, it's just so silly, like... <laughs> it's just it's because it's not hard it tells me that you don't view repentance or forgiveness rightly and Mm -hmm. that happens maybe that's a part of your sanctification cool cool whatever that's between you and the lord but the more of who i've known the lord to be when fast repentance matters he'd be like rebecca what was that i'm like you know what i am so sorry let me help me not to do that again and you move on I think maybe some people avoid this process because they feel like they're going to have to like lay on the floor and begin to rip out one piece of hair out of their scalp and roll around on the floor. But, you know, you don't. It's easy because the Lord is just ready to forgive. He's like, just say the word, baby. Say the word. I want to commune. And I guess since we're on this subject, let's keep it going. Repentance becomes easy when you understand the reality of the cross and what Jesus really paid for you. Um, Because I'm like thinking back to when I was a kid and parents would, whenever you'd be in trouble, like go say sorry. And like, you only did it because you had to and not because you wanted to. And a lot of times for me, I was like, I'm not saying it until I'm actually ready to forgive or like stuff like that. Like it felt like that penalty box kind of thing. 
And as I got older and I just, you grow in your understanding of the gospel. I don't think we ever get to this full reality of really understanding how much God loves us, but you do kind of grow in that year by year. And when you like understand what Jesus did for you, repentance is so much easier because you're just like, if God could forgive us for what we did to him, I can forgive that person or I can like repent of what I did kind of a thing. So, so, so true. Yeah. So true. I have a thought, but I'm like, that's, it's for another day. <laughs> I'm just going to say second Corinthians five. That's all I'm going to say. It, it, it's all in there. Ah, oh, I forgot to say it now. Okay, so basically, <laughs> it's my second Corinthians five. Oh my goodness, we went over this in class yesterday, and I have had this thought in my mind recently, or in my heart, whatever, about oh, it's chapter, oh, it is chapter five. Um, I've just been thanking the Lord recently, saying thank you, God, that there's a way. Like when you tell me that I can live free of being offended all the time and taking things personally like there's a true way do you know how exhausting it is to keep a list of everybody's wrongs all the time like I don't enjoy it I don't like being offended because it feels icky like I I don't have to take it personally like there's a way through Jesus for me to acknowledge that I've been wrong and literally move on with my life because there's two outlooks so second Corinthians chapter five from like verses 14 through 16 i think this is how you can kind of interact with the unbeliever who is wronging you because it says that when christ died that when he as that one died then everybody died that tells me that i don't have any place to judge you i don't have any place to really i'm not gonna hold something against you because i can just look at you and say well christ died for you i'm not gonna hold anything against Mm -hmm. you And then for the Christian, verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So when the believer is wronging me and I think, oh, they should just know better, eh, maybe not because everybody is at different points in their sanctification and they don't know the full extent of what they're doing to you. They just don't. And so I can look at them and now be like, okay, well, I'm choosing not to hold that against you because yeah you just don't know who you are right now and sometimes I don't know who I am like we're new creations we're walking this thing out and so I can have grace and mercy and patience because Peter was saying um my teacher Peter not apostle Peter hello if he's I think so anywho um (laughs) he was saying um this is like the same love that this the same spirit of Jesus to look to be on the cross and say forgive them they know not what they do then you have paul getting stoned by folks and still going back and he's just like oh man you guys are just lost like and he's not holding it against them it's the same love that drives them and so this thought that i keep having of like there is a way in christ to live without being offended all the time to have grace to have patience he was saying when the bible says love is patient love is kind it doesn't like these are all very relational things that don't really come into play until somebody's wronging you he said like have i ever needed to be patient with someone who wasn't being nice to me not really right. <laughs> like so it's the same for all of those so i just had to share that too because uh, that mm-hmm. when tying i guess to tie that into friendship with god it's like the more that you walk with him in friendship, the more you learn to be like him. You gather his heart from those things. And then that same chapter, hallelujah, is talking about how you're an ambassador for Christ, like proclaim these things, right? So then mm-hmm. I can spill that out. That's just the overflow that I can live in because of that. And so you're showing that like your friendship with God now becomes a testimony because you spent so much time with him, ate with him so much that you're just like him. They said that about the disciples. They How, why could somebody just spot Peter and be like, you were with Jesus. What's going on? It's a different, like the kingdom culture is entirely different. You walk different, you look different, you breathe different. I don't know. But <laughs> your friendship with God is just, it's a testimony. They say, why? Is that girl not offended all the time? Why can that girl pour out so much grace? Because I'm friends with someone who taught me how. Amen. And I'm really living it. So anyway. Yeah. 
I am glad I shared that. I was about to yeah, just I'm glad that you did. a cup. That still ties into um, this last question we talked about because another part where the enemy will try to interfere is through your relationships mm-hmm. and the reality of what that looks like, your friendships with your friends, your relationship with your parents or whether you're dating or married or whatever, he'll try to use the flaws of that and say that's who God is, but God isn't flawed. And so I think that's where we have to recognize that just because people can hurt, God can't. Like, that's just not who he is. So I'm glad we talked about that. Recognize that whatever you're seeing here in your relationships with people does not always match who Jesus is. That's so true. Mm, Amazing. Okay, well, I love this next question. Um, what is one of like your favorite God stories to tell and how, like, kind of like, how has the Lord shown himself as a friend to you? I know you talked about through your finances, but mm-hmm. I want to share. Okay. I think I have one story specifically that comes to mind. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I know I have many, but they're okay, all. Hold on. I have to do it. I have to do it. What? <laughs> story time. Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. I have this button on my studio panel, and I knew at some point I just had to let it go. Okay. <laughs> I didn't think she'd actually do it, guys. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's all. Okay, story time. Okay. Um, I feel like I have to give background knowledge to this before I can even share this story. Um, but how Jesus has like shown Himself as a friend to me. Um, I have to take it back to when I was 15 or 16 and me and my best friend had like a fallout and guys, I've had a really, really hard time with like friendships. It's honestly like what brought me to Jesus was that low of like, I'm so tired of people failing me. I'm so tired of being rejected. I'm so tired of being hurt. And that's where my desire and my recogni- like recognizing that Jesus was the only thing that could satisfy me kind of started was when I was 15, 16. I, I think it was 15. And I recognized like he was all that could actually like heal me and be a real, real friend and would never fail me. Um, at that point in my life, I didn't know I could hear like the Holy Spirit. Like I felt nudges before, like or had like an inner knowing, but I didn't really know it was the Holy Spirit that was speaking to me. So fast forward to 17, 18 year old Lily, I moved to California, I went to ministry school. And like, their whole thing is like, God talks to you, listen. <laughs> like, And I was like, no way. Like he, he does? Like, are you sure? And I worked at a job early in the morning, and I had to walk, I didn't have a car. So I let those times that I walked to work be times where I practiced hearing God's voice and being like, is that really you? Are you really saying that? So I want to say that that's where the cultivation of my friendship with God like really, really started because I was sitting and listening to him. Wow. Um, so on one of those walks, on one of those mornings, I would always see wildflowers and I love wildflowers way more than like real flowers. I don't know what it is about wildflowers, maybe because they're wild and they just kind of grow with weeds and you don't know where they'll pop up. But when they do, it's like, wow, that's so pretty. Like they're growing and flourishing. I don't know. They're just really pretty and delicate and cute. Um, And I'd always see them on my walk and the Lord knows how much I love wildflowers. He's like, Lily, whenever you see a wildflower, know that it's me saying I love you. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, that's so sweet. Like, that's better than you handing me a bouquet of roses, you know? Like, I don't know, it just really spoke to me. (laughs) So now whenever I'm anywhere and I see a wildflower, like wildflower specifically, I'll be like, oh my gosh, he loves me. He loves me so much. Um, And on that, I, I don't know if it was the same day or a different day, but I found this one really little, like, grass flower. And... Inside of the little flower, like, I wish you guys could see my fingers, but it was so small, first of all, and with 
within that, the center of it is a teeny, teeny flower. Like you can see the petals. Like it's so delicate. It's so um, detailed and it's small. Like I'm literally pinching my fingers right now. And I'm just like staring at it and looking at the detail of it. I'm like, this is a little wildflower and God cared to put that much detail in it. And it just felt like God was like, that's friendship with God. Like he shows you these little things that you never would think is important, but he still cares. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, to think that he cares that much about me and the little things in my life. And that's one of my favorite stories of friendship with God. So such a good friend I can't it's intentional yeah that's what it is and you look for that in people it's like the same thing of like wanting to feel seen and known and loved and not like oh girl I got your number you don't have a clue notes about notes about who you are (laughs) Uh, it's like files it's probably just some file book in heaven favorite drink a vanilla cappuccino (laughs) go for it okay perfect um so kind of like going back to the trust thing it takes time to build trust with the lord and it becomes bigger and bigger every time Mm -hmm. in 2021 one of my good friends got engaged and the lord was telling them that they need to have their wedding in spain and i was full on board And I didn't know how it was going to happen because Spain at that time, their borders were completely closed because of COVID. You could not get in there at all. Um, And so I was like, yeah, sounds great. Let's go to Spain. I had no idea I was going to pay for that plane ticket. I had no idea if we'd make it over the border. I had no idea if I could get in without a COVID test or whatever craziness, you know, all the things. And um I just trust the Lord. Like I kept seeing signs like Mark Spain, like realtor. I keep seeing him everywhere still, but I just like knew in my spirit, like this wedding was going to happen in Spain and we were going to get there somehow. I just really trusted the Lord in that. And that's exactly what happened. I think it was like a month before the wedding, the borders got completely lifted. I got my plane ticket for $500. Like, and the wedding happened while we were in the wedding. Um, Uh, this one part of Spain, literally a week before we came, their like restrictions were lifted. And I feel like that was friendship with God, not just for me personally, but with my friends, we were trusting what the Lord said in faith together, that even though what it looks like doesn't look like it's actually going to happen. And the world's saying one thing, but Jesus is saying something completely opposite. Like he's going to do it. Like we have to follow his word and trust that what he says is more real than what is around us so mm-hmm. that's a more big faith kind of step you know like the borders were shut <laughs> yeah so that um, yeah i love that word. that just reminds me of like even when i was fundraising to get to ministry school and i was just tweaking out all the time i was like oh god help that's not the word i want to use well, y'all, I was very upset. I, I was sad. I was confused. When I first got in, I cried for three days. I was just not in a, I was, I, I felt the weight on it, I think. So anyway, I'm crying about finances all the time. I'm like, because I found out that I got in towards the end of June, which meant I had six weeks to pick up my life and get from North Carolina to Texas. I said, okay, Lord. And so it was just one door at a time. I'll never forget, he asked me to start prayer journaling about it. And one day I was prayer journaling, and I feel like he was like, write down, like, you have my word. And I was like, ugh. And that was like this reoccurring thing where I'll be praying about things, and I'm like, all right. He's like, you have my word. And I'm like, well, the last time you said that, I had your word, so I'm going to keep moving along with this. Mm -hmm. And everything got paid. My deposit got paid in like three days, and you'd think I'd stop worrying. No, I kept worrying. And then (laughs) I took it. Got paid, and that's a whole other testimony. Then my credit score shot up like thirty-eight points the day we got approved for a house, and like it just—it was just one thing after another. But uh, anywho, yeah. these are the stories that come from taking a nice little walk with Jesus. 
And like, it's not, I love that the cross truly is the equalizer of all mankind in this way. Like that's a layered, a layered thing, the cross being mm-hmm. the equalizer. But it means that anyone who comes unto him can be his friend as well. And that means in the same way that you hear these stories, you can hear them for yourself and your mom mm-hmm. and your daddy can hear them. Whoever yeah. comes under the blood will have the testimony. And so, mm-hmm. yeah. And I think just a word of advice to those who are like, how do I get there? Like it starts small. Like you're not just going to jump overnight and be best abuse with God. Like it takes time and Going back to consistency, just like continuing to be consistent and faithful in what he asks of you and trusting that his word is better and putting just full belief, full faith in it. And you'll get there because I think what also sparked my like desire to have a friendship with God is seeing older people on fire for Jesus. Like they're in their 80s, 90s, and they're still so in love, like head over heels. And you're like, how do I get there? like we will get there we just have to keep going stay consistent stay faithful that's so true that is a testimony i was just watching this little lady at trader joe's yesterday i don't know if she was a christian or not but she was just so cute putting her groceries in the car and i told the lord i was like lord i'm just so excited for like the day where like i'm a cute gray-haired grandma packing up my little groceries at trader joe's like gonna go tell my grandkids god stories and they'll have the same tears in my eyes telling them. Because I just, I almost exploded driving because I was like, I'm so excited to be alive. Like, there is hope in God. Like, when he tells you there's a hope and a future for you, like, there sincerely is. And even watching the Lord's hand on this past year of my life, like 2022, even now 23, I can tell, number one, that for that intentionality and, like, he has given me something far surpassing in beauty than I would have asked for for myself. Like I had plans, I had plans, but in retrospect and in comparison to what he's given me, like, cause this whole season threw me by surprise. I didn't think that was going to happen. And then it did. And it's just been the sweetest thing. And I'm like, so if I keep walking in friendship with the Lord, like what does, what do the next 60 plus 70 plus years of my life look like this? Like this is, uh, I can't, I'm moving to the next question because I just that's all. Yeah, okay. <laughs> we could be here forever. <laughs> Literally, part three, part four, <laughs> part ten. Literally, because it doesn't go away. That could okay. be a podcast onto itself. All right, challenge so. then for everybody listening: gather with other believers around you and just have a night where you share the testimonies of God, like. What has he done in your life? Not just your salvation story, like anything that he has done in your life, because that builds faith. And especially for those people who want to get into that part of relationship with God, they need to hear believers talk about the relationship with God. Mm. So do that. That is good. Number five, what does it mean to be a good friend to God? (sighs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Hey. But, like, we have to let it convict us <laughs> first, honestly. Um, what does it mean to be a good friend to God? Honestly, it starts off with knowing you can't be a good friend to God, like, at all on your own. Oh. With his help, you can't. It's true. That's the reality. So, honestly, it's it's being humble before the Lord and recognizing your desperate need for him. Um, and after that, being a good friend to God looks like being obedient and doing things when he asks you, it's like, um, honestly, it's in any relationship, say you're married and a wife asks the husband to do something and he's like, nah, you do it. That's kind of the same with the Lord. It's like, if you really love someone, you're going to do what they ask of you. You're going to want to serve them. You're going to want to give them your all. So being a good friend to God is doing what he asks of us and not being like scared of it is like a really big thing I would say is obedience. Like God prefers obedience over sacrifice. You said it. He says it in his word over and over and over again. Mm. So I wonder if 
if it's because there's many layers to that. Because I was thinking as you were saying that obedience to the Lord takes a measure of faith and a measure of trust. And so the more that you grow in those things, the easier it is to be obedient. Like say you had $50, last $50 on your bank account. Lord said, give it away. You give away the $50 and then he gives you back $1,000 next month. You now have this kind of built up trust. You'd be like, when the Lord tells me that he's going to like, not that every time that, well, you just, you cannot give the Lord. That's just all I have to say about that. Like he's really, really good at repaying people. Not that you give because he's going to give it back. Because he may give it back to you in the next life. I don't know. The point is trust and faith go hand in hand in hand with obedience. And so it's really hard to obey someone that you don't really trust their heart motive. Like there's this quote that I love. I'm pretty sure Charles Spurgeon says it. And it's like, if you cannot trust, like if you cannot see the hand of the Lord, then you need to just trust his heart. And Mm -hmm. it's just, if the Lord's asking you to pack up your family and move to the middle of Colorado, there's got to be a level of friendship there in a way for you to be like, if the Lord's asking us to do this, it's because he has goodness written all over it. Mm -hmm. Let's do it. So the more that you know his character, the easier it is to obey as well. Because people are scared of harsh masters. But when the Lord says, now I call you friend, hmm, not that he's ever done that's yeah, sad. I know what that's like. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think that's all I had. Okay. <laughs> and that question then flows into why is friendship with God important to you? You kind of touched on this a little bit, but if you have anything else you want to add. Yeah, I had it and I lost it. Oh my goodness. Why is friendship with God important to me? I think realizing that apart from him, I'm completely nothing. Um, like life is not fun and life isn't meaningful and I don't want to live it apart from him. Yeah. I've been in the low many, many times to know that it's just Jesus that sustains and that keeps me going. And the minute I step out of that, I feel it quickly. I'm like, no, I hate everything. <laughs> like Literally. Like, you just don't walk in joy. You don't walk in hope. Um, So it's important to me because I know what it's like to be close to him. And when you know that feeling and you know what he's like, nothing compares to it. Like, nothing. Yeah. So. I agree. I concur. I literally just told my dad about this last night. I'm like, I just don't know. You know how the song's like, I do not remember what I was doing before I met you. I'm like, true. I sincerely, Mm -hmm. a dead woman walking, which 2 Corinthians 5 attests to, it said when one died for all, all died. So I was a dead woman walking around. I literally, I don't remember what my thoughts consisted of. I don't remember how I coped. Like it had to just be the grace of God. I just don't know how I did life yeah. without communion because uh, mm, mm. and I was talking to the guy um, I was talking to him like outside of the prayer set yesterday and he was saying the same things like I was a dead man walking like I don't remember really what I was doing either I'm like okay so are we all just experiencing the same thing <laughs> but yeah. it's blessed it's blessed yeah. alright I think I remember it now it's kind of I already said it but it's a different analogy mm-hmm. um Friendship with God is important to me because like when the winds come, when the storms come, when the waves come and it's like all crashing and everything feels like, I don't know, it's going to explode. I know that I'll be okay because I know what he's like and the safest place in the middle of a storm is actually being in the arms of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, no matter my circumstance, whether I'm in the valley or the mountain high, he's going to keep me, he's going to sustain me, and he's going to uphold me. And so that's what friendship is like. When you know what it's like to walk with God, when those times of trials come, you're not like, you're not looking at the storm. You're actually looking at Jesus. 
but that comes from cultivating friendship. You can't have that if you've never cultivated friendship. You will be waving, like um, wandering and wavering. So it's true. And the same thought that I kind of want to reiterate, like how you were saying, you cannot do friendship with God without God. I just want to sit with that for a while, just because sometimes it sounds like this is something that you have to strive for because in a way like with your human friendships like there's a level of work you have to put in and it's not to say that you know you just sit down and do nothing when it comes to friendship with the lord but it doesn't have to feel burdensome like the lord says his yoke is easy his burden is light he does the heavy lifting and so i do just want to say like as a kind of bow around all of this like if it sounds in the slightest like overwhelming like oh my goodness I have no idea how that's going to pan out just trust that Jesus wants to be friends with you so he's really good at (laughs) at maintaining it and teaching you how to like your desire is pretty much all that's required of you right now and even on the days where you don't want to be his friend he's like that's okay baby we loved it and you just keep moving along with him but just remembering that it's not something that can be done apart from him and I have a kind of bonus question okay just because of everything going on in Asbury and across the nation, really just everywhere else, I don't know if, if we've peaked worldwide yet, but I just want to know if you had any thoughts on why this topic is timely concerning revival. Like, I have a couple of little swirling ideas, but where do you see, like, the intersection of, like, friendship with God and what's going on, like, the importance of it with impending revival yeah okay so to start first i like me and a few people have been talking about what revival really is Mm -hmm. and the church needs to remember that revival is what the church should normally look like Mm -hmm. um it's not just a one and done god moves on one place kind of a thing like that is what the acts church looked like is we never stepped away from the cross it was only about jesus And that's what revives our hearts over and over again. So to relate that to friendship with God and why it's important is when these moves of God do come and we see that if you don't cultivate a relationship with God, it's very easy to be there in hype. Um, When I was in ministry school, the biggest thing they told us was you're in a greenhouse and the real world does not look like this. You will be alone. (laughs) Like you might not have community all the time. And the only thing that can sustain you is your relationship with God, your friendship with God. So if you know his heart and you've spent time with him and you've really put in the work to know him, then like that's what's going to sustain more than anything. I hope that answered that. You can clarify. Very much so. (laughs) I think that's, there you go. Yeah. And I guess maybe just a thought, um, I, in a way, hope that revival provokes people to desire friendship with God. Like, if you walk mm-hmm. into this environment as an unsaved individual and nothing stirs in you to want to know who's behind all of it, like, I pray that that becomes a stirring in your heart. Because that's kind of what it's unto, in a way. Like, revival isn't just for the church. It's just, it's, it's kind of a sign and a wonder, in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. But yeah, I think that... That was bone apple tea. Okay, so final question. What is your one sentence like capstone <laughs> statement on friendship with God? Okay. So I'm gonna look through John 15 real quick. Not by me. I want the verse to be the capstone. Mm. I'm trying to figure out which one I want to do though. Take your time, Mama. Mm-hmm. All right, I guess I'll do John 15, 9 as my capstone statement for all of this. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. Period. Mm-hmm. It's just That's abiding. Good. Yeah. That's very good stuff. Memorize that. <laughs> huh? So memorize that. One more time then. All right. So for not for Sean, my bad. John 15, 9. 
says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. Mm. Very good, then. I Sweet. can do that, oh Lord. I like, I, I won't harp on this too much, but I do want to kind of share that a realization that I've had is some of the best fruit or the best fruit that I've ever had produced out of my life did not come from my striving at all, but very much from my abiding. Like the Lord's really good at his job, like really good at it. (laughs) It's kind of, it almost just feels scandalous when you think about how easy it is to kind of walk this thing out. Like the Lord made a way for us to just enjoy him and for him to do all the heavy lifting. He's just that kind. And that's what it's like being his friend. Like the moment you start burning out, ask yourself why. Because mm-hmm. odds are you're just trying to do his job. And so right now I feel like a little giddy, lovesick girly because I just get to relax. And who I was talking to Madison about this. We were saying, we're like, when we get married, we don't want to think. Like, we just want our husbands to just handle, handle. I don't want to think anymore. And the Lord, <laughs> he actually reminded me of this movie that I was watching. And when the guy was proposing, he was saying, all you have to do is just wake up. You don't ever have to, like, handle things, in, in essence, for, like, another day in your life. And it's true. That's what God literally invites you into. I'm like, I'm engaged to a man who handles my affairs, period, point blank. I just have to exist. I'm so grateful. I have to think because I'm tired. Same thing with this little passenger princess. Lord, I'm done driving the car. Thank you. It's Jesus (laughs) driving the car. I'm done. I'm putting my pretty little French tip toes up on the dash and letting him drive because I'm, I'm I'm finito. I love it. <laughs> I've been loving this parallel too in Song of Solomon of the bride like referring to like the Shulamite referring to the beloved as her friend. And I, because it'll be like, this, I think it's in Song of Solomon chapter 5 because they were asking, well, what is your beloved more than another beloved? And she was like, first of all, my beloved is da-da-da-da-da. His eyes are fitly set. His hair is black as a raven. This is at a third. This is my beloved. This is my friend. I said, ooh, she ate that. <laughs> and then how many times the the beloved is saying to the Shulamite, like, this is um no, my sister, my spouse. It's just all of these little dynamics that mm-hmm. keep coming all over the place but I'm like that's how I know Song of Solomon has got to be about Jesus and the bride because I don't know how we jump from sister to spouse to friend in one book I don't see that much right so I'm like mm, thank you so much I was reading on Valentine's Day just getting giddy talking about some your pomegranates your <laughs> pomegranates behind the veil your eyes are doves I was literally sitting at my desk like ooh say more <laughs> Oh my god! Who's texting me like that? Nobody's in my phone telling me that my really? pomegranate is nice. The the close because it, it's so it's so intense and it's so pure. Like I'm a Pride and Prejudice girly X Y Z. Like I want to see that that right there. And I'm like, Lord, ain't nobody touching you. This is some prose. That's yeah, which is I guess I kind of wanted to share that about friendship with God in general, like. I almost feel like friendship is deeper than marriage, if that makes sense, because marriage includes, you know, being intimate physically, but not in friendship. You have like this kind of love for one another that's even deeper, I feel. And like the best um, kind of example we have of that is David and Jonathan. Like, I love you more than a brother. Like, I don't know. So if you want to like go deeper in that, read about David and Jonathan. And there, that's the friendship the Lord has with us. Yeah. So far surpassing. Do that. Yeah. <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, yay. I, this episode was it for me. Starting <laughs> I said, scrum diddly yum yum. I'm going to go re listen. <laughs> Literally, I'm going to just be driving to school, be like, turn this thing on real quick. 
Oh my goodness. Well, Lil, thank you, my girl, for coming on. Thank you. For yeah, sharing. thank you. I'm gonna be thinking about that wildflower story for a while because that's just that's sweet. Mm-hmm. I love the Lord. <laughs> Everybody tell a God story. Like Lily said, that's your homework this week. Tell somebody a God story and let them tell you one. And better yet, share a God story with somebody who doesn't know God. That's a challenge to me. So let me find out. Mm-hmm. <sighs> well, y'all. I don't know if I'm going to have a fancy schmancy little outro for this one. I may just put a little music on the back. So if you don't hear from me in the next 35 seconds, thank you for tuning in. This has been another installment of the Unto Podcast. Love you. Talk later.